You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew and chapter 8. We're reading from the book of Matthew and chapter 8. Are you ready for God's word this Sunday morning? It's our good custom in all House on the Rock churches to rise up for the reading of God's word. So I ask that you rise up to your feet at this point in time as we go to God's word. We're reading from Matthew and chapter 8 from verse 5 to 10 and then we'll jump to verse 13. Here begin after the reading of God's holy word. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Jump to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Last week Sunday, we heard about somebody who got her miracle that same hour. Can I prophesy that in this hour, in this same hour, even while the word of God is being declared, while it's being taught and while it's being proclaimed, you are going to receive your miracle. If you believe it, come and shout amen. Jesus was willing to go and heal this centurion servant in his house. But the centurion said, send the word only and it will be done. Jesus was amazed at his response and said that he had not seen such great faith anywhere, even in Israel. In other words, Jesus was saying that this centurion had exceptional faith. Faith that stood out of the crowd. Exceptional faith. All right. He said that the centurion, in effect, was saying, Jesus, I don't need your physical presence. I don't even need you to come and lay your hands. I don't need you to pour oil on my head. I don't need you to take a scarf and drape it over me. I don't need you to spit on my face. I don't need you to do none of that. All I need you to do is to speak the word. It was exceptional faith. Indeed. And the simple subject of my message this Sunday morning is exceptional faith. Help me ask your neighbor, do you have exceptional faith? Do you have exceptional faith? Lord, I yield my members over to you and I ask that you take complete control, that you speak through me, that you cause my tongue to be as the pen of the ready writer, that I might inscribe upon the hearts of the men and women that are listening your living truth, and that by reason of that truth, will be elevated to a new level of experience with you. Cause faith to arise like never before. Take our faith out of the doldrums to the highest level of exception. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. And the people said aloud, amen. amen. And as you take your seat, whisper, exceptional faith. Exceptional faith. Exceptional faith. 
Our definition and your definition of faith is extremely important. You've got to have a personal understanding and a personal definition of what faith is. Because there are many things that people call faith that uh, is not actually faith. And it is a misnomer to think you are walking by faith, but because your definition of what faith is is wrong, you are actually not walking by or walking in faith. So we've got to get the definition of faith clear. In this last, week, last week's midweek life class, I was talking about what faith is. If you missed that class, I encourage you to still go back online and get it because it's such an important class. One of the first things or one of the key things that helps us to understand faith, understanding what it is not, in the book of Romans in chapter 4, we are told that faith calls those things that be not as though they were. It calls those things that be not as though they were, and then they come into being. Now, you must note what it say, says about faith. It's saying that faith does not call what is as though it were not. It calls what is not as though it were. Somebody is wondering what's the difference, you see. Now, faith does not look at that chair and say that chair does not exist. That would be calling what is as though it were not. Faith calls what is not. So what is not here? There is no car here, right? In this building at this moment in time. So faith would, could, can call the car that is not here and call it into being. That is, what is, that is calling what is not as though it were. That's what faith does. Faith exists in the positive realm. It's not in denial. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? It's extremely important to, to, to understand. It might seem like a fine difference, but it's an important difference. Brother Andrew is not in denial that he has a diagnosis of cancer, but faith calls the healing that seems to be absent into being. You hear me what I'm saying? A lot of people are walking in denial and calling it faith. He says, let the weak say that I am strong. So the weak has to first of all identify that he is weak. And then he calls the strength that he does not have to come and take over his weakness. Does anybody hear me what I'm saying? This is an important distinction to understand. Because too many believers walking around saying they are walking in faith and they're simply walking in denial and telling big fat lies. You've got pain in your body and you're saying, I don't have pain in my body. Who are you deceiving? You have pain in your body. Call the healing that is absent to show up. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? So faith is not denial. Faith, but another key thing to understand is that even though faith is not denial, faith does not go around rehearsing what is wrong. So it doesn't go around telling every Tom, Dick, Harry, and Janet that, hey, I, I'm poor, I'm weak, I'm confused. It mm -mm, doesn't do that either. But it doesn't deny that that is a temporary, ooh, can I prophesy to somebody, what you are going through right now is temporary. 
You thought it was permanent. I came to tell you this Sunday morning, it's temporary. It has a lifespan and it's about to come to its end. If you believe me what I'm saying, come on, show yes. <laughs> it's temporary. It's temporary. It might seem like a fact, but facts change. The truth remains. Somebody shout amen. So you have to understand what faith is. I encourage you to get back into Wednesday's class to, 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 to harvest the truths that were released there. But the classic verse that tells us about faith is in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, where it says that now faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the, and the, uh, the, the, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So now we start to see that faith is substance. Uh, faith is substance. Oh my goodness. Uh, the substance of things hoped for. That means that faith is tangible. It's not ethereal. It's not mystical. It's not smoke and, and lights and shadows. No, it's tangible. It is identifiable. It is definable. All right. Uh, Faith, therefore, can be seen. You can see faith wherever it is. Remember those four friends that brought their paralyzed friends to Jesus and let him down through the roof. And the scripture says Jesus saw their faith. So faith is visible. Faith can be seen. And then we also understand that as faith can be seen, faith can also see. For 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7 says that we walk by faith faith and not by sight. Not that we walk blindly, it's just that we see things differently. So faith looks at things and sees it differently from the way everybody else sees it. So where people see impossibility, faith sees possibility. Where people see no way, faith sees a way. Where people see a casting down, faith sees a lifting up. Where people see an obstacle, faith sees an opportunity. It sees things differently. All right. Faith also... Uh, speaks. Faith is spoken. Faith is not silent. For we believe in our hearts, therefore we speak with our mouths. So we speak. It is spoken. That's why it is faith. And it also speaks something different from the way the world speaks. It definitely does not speak fear, doubt, and unbelief. It speaks possibility. It speaks not what is, but what can be. Oh, are you hearing me what I'm saying? I just taught you that faith does not call what is as though it were not. It calls what is not and calls it into being. What is it that you need in your life right now? A silent mouth is a silent destiny. It's time for you to open your mouth and start calling it into being. If you believe me what I'm saying, come and shout, yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. Faith can be heard because if faith speaks, therefore it can be heard. It's not just that it can be heard. Faith also hears things differently from the way that the world hears it. You know, when people hear about a bad diagnosis in the natural, they start to say, oh my goodness, that's terrible. But when faith hears that same report, it says, whoa, a testimony is building up. 
a miracle is about to happen. Things are about to shift. Are you hearing right? Are you hearing with the ears of faith? Because when you hear with the ears of faith, I can tell you that something, I can describe it, something, I can't quite articulate it, I can't comprehend it, I can't contain it, is about to happen. If you hear me what I'm saying, come and shout yes. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. A supernatural turnaround is coming in your space. If you believe me, come and shout, yeah! So now we see that faith is a whole different vibe. It's a whole different swag. It's a whole different swagger. When you've got faith, you see things differently. You hear things differently. You speak different. It's a whole different vibe. Can you feel my vibe this Sunday morning? Come and elbow your neighbor and say, have you got the vibe? Have you got the vibe? Woo! We learn in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, that the worlds were framed by faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that we see are not made of what we see or what is visible. What is he saying? He's saying that there's a substance behind the substance. What you see is not made up of what you think it is made up of. It's made up of a, of a, of a substance that is unseen. Faith is the substance of the unseen. <laughs> or didn't you read it? It said that faith is the substance of things hoped for and hope that is seen is no longer hope. So hope is unseen. So faith is the substance of the unseen, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things unseen. It is a substance. Now, if faith is a substance, I can ask the question, what is the substance or the source of faith? Well, I know the source of faith because Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the substance and the source of faith is the word of God. The word of God is the source of faith. Therefore, no word of God, no faith. No word of God, no faith. If you don't have a word on it, then you don't have faith. You might have hope, you might have aspiration, you might have desire, but it's not yet faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God. If we would have faith, we must have the word of God. The centurion in our text was truly exceptional because somehow this centurion had stumbled on the truth that the word was the source of faith. I don't know how he stumbled on it, how he equated the word being spoken and faith going into action as one and the same, but somehow he grasped this because he told Jesus, just speak the word. I realize that the word is the substance of faith, so if you speak the word, faith goes into action and produces what needs to be produced. Somehow he understood that there was an irrevocable connection between faith and the word. The word is the source of faith. Somehow he understood that his word, that is Jesus' word, was as good as Jesus' person and power. I don't need you physically here. If I've got your word, it's enough. Somehow he understood 
that he has exalted his word above all his name. He, somehow he understood that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If he has said it, he would do it. If he has promised it, he will make it good. Somehow he instinctively understood that in the beginning, when the earth was without form and void, that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and everything that was made was made by the word of God. Therefore, I don't need too many things. All I need is a word. Is there anybody like me under the sound of my voice that this Sunday morning they realize that all they really need is a word from God? If you believe it, come and shout yes. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, God, Pastor Chris was already somehow spiritually spying on my message today in his introduction because he said something like, this man's going to preach my message. Hallelujah. Because God doesn't do anything without his word. Every time God wants to do something, he does it with his word. When the earth was without form and void, darkness covers the face of the deep. God comes on the scene. And what does God do? He doesn't run helter-skelter. He doesn't pull his hair out. He's not panicking. It's just God comes, standing on the firm ground of nothing, and saying, let there be. And God said. He sent his word into operation. God, the word of God is the performance of God. Yes, yes, yes. Every time God wants to do something, the person he sends to do it is his word. Psalms 107 and verse 20. He says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destructions. He sent his word. Every time God wants to heal you, every time God wants to deliver you, he sends his word. His word is the performer. The, his word is his power. This is the nature of his word. We read about the nature of his word in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11 where it says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing which I sent it to. He says that his word will not return void. It accomplishes and performs what it is sent to do. His word produces faith. His word is the source of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Somebody go ahead and give God the praise. Even right now, this Sunday morning, lift up his holy name. So now, we start to understand a little bit of mechanics of how God establishes his will and furthers his kingdom upon the earth. When we go to the book of Romans in chapter 10, a little bit earlier than the verse 17 that told us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it actually breaks down the mechanics of how God gets this done. It says in verse 14 of Romans chapter 10, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach 
unless they are sent, all right? Do you see the equation? It says that people will not call uh, on God or on Jesus to be saved if they don't believe in him. But they cannot believe in him if they haven't heard of him. They cannot hear of him unless there is a preacher. There cannot be a preacher unless the preacher is sent. I want to let you know that the preacher has been sent. Sent to preach the word. The word of faith. The active agent that produces faith is the word of God. But we see here that the process of the production of faith in this chapter involves two key players. Two key players. Pastor Chris, Chris can you come, down, come and help me? Uh, Brother Lamy, quickly come and help me too. Pastor Chris is the preacher. Let the preacher stand on my left hand side. He's, he's the preacher. He's been sent. He's got the word of God. He's got a word from heaven. The, a word that can produce faith. Uh, Brother Lamy is the hearer on my other side here. Now, according to this scripture, uh, when the preacher that is sent meets up with the hearer, faith is produced. Because the preacher preaches the word, the hearer hears the word. His hearing of the word produces faith within him. And then he's able to call on God for salvation, for deliverance, for a supernatural turnaround. So every time the preacher and the hearer come together, something great, something wonderful happened. Faith is produced, all right? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, Satan, understanding this, is working overtime to make sure that the preacher and the hearer never get together. Because as long as it can keep them further away from one another, faith will not be produced. And if faith is not produced, miracles, signs, wonders, deliverance, salvation, and all of the promises of God will not be actualized. So this is what Satan is doing. So sometimes, Satan will focus upon the preacher and he would try to discourage the preacher. He would try to distract the preacher. He would try to make the preacher feel like all this that you are doing day in, day out, week in, week out, month out, month in and it's not doing anything and he could get discouraged because it's all still an attempt to introduce degrees of separation between the preacher and the heir. So he tries to work hard upon the preacher discourage him, disappoint him, distract him. Uh, but preachers like Pastor Chris, uh, they know the devil and his wiles. They ain't going to let the devil stop them. In season and out of season, they keep on preaching. They keep on teaching. They keep on telling. Whether there are a few people or there's an auditorium full of people, they're still going to preach because that's their assignment. They've been sent to preach. Like I've been sent to preach. Even if there's only two people in this house, I'll still preach. Even if it's only one person here, I'll still preach. Because I'm not preaching because of the crowd. I'm preaching because I'm sent. Sent. 
I'm sent, I'm sent. And if the devil finds out he can't walk on the preacher, he then tries to walk on the hearer. And he starts whispering to the hearer, all these promises, all these prophecies, they don't work. It doesn't do anything. They are not being real. So he starts to whisper, that preacher self, what do you think he is? He ain't all of that. He's got issues. So you try to discredit the preacher in the air of the hearer to stop the hearer from listening to the word that is being preached. Uh, he would walk on the hearer and say, you know what? Your time is best spent watching Blood Sisters on Netflix. No, you know, you've got to watch Man of God on Netflix. You've got to just Netflix and chill, you know? That word of God thing is boring. It, am I talking to anybody here? We keep the hearer distracted. Keep the hearer from hearing God's word. Walk the hearer all week long. And then Sunday morning, when the hearer is supposed to get up and go to the house of the Lord, the devil gets in his hair. You know, you've walked all week. You're tired. Tired like a dog. You don't need to go to church. Church is online now, by the way. So you can just cheer at home and then watch uh, the word there. And then he, he succumbs. And he's chilling at home, ready for service. And he's so interested that when service comes online, that's when he remembers, ah, I haven't taken my cup of coffee this morning. Let me get into the kitchen and fix myself a, a cup of coffee. Uh, and while he's fixing himself a cup of coffee, praise and worship is going on. Praise and worship that's supposed to be preparing his soul to receive the word of God. That's supposed to be preparing the ground for the seed, the incorruptible seed of God's word to be sown in the ground. He's He's not listening. He's not participating even in that experience. So his heart is not prepared. He prepares the coffee and then he sees bread. You know how I like bread. He sees bread by the side there. I say, let me quickly make myself a sandwich. And he starts to make the sandwich while the water is boiling and the word is going on and he's missing it all. And then finally when he's done in the kitchen, he comes back into the living room and he sees that, oh, Pastor Temi has already started the message and it's like he's not making sense I don't understand what he's saying. How are you going to understand what he's saying when you missed half of what he's saying? You missed the premise. You missed the foundation. How are you going to understand what he's saying? He said, it looks like there's no anointing on that man of God anymore. I don't quite get it because the enemy is working hard to make sure that there are degrees of separation between the preacher and the hearer. Uh, now you've got to wake up to the wiles of the enemy and realize uh, that the enemy is trying to mess up your life uh, by keeping you separated uh, from uh, the word of God. So I have determined and I trust that there are many like me under the sound of my vo voice that have determined uh, that come rain or shine, uh, regardless of whatever is going on in the world, I refuse to allow anything, no devil, no demon from hell is going to separate me from the word of God. Is there anybody like me under the sound of my voice? Come and show you. Woo! Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Pastor Chris. Bro, allow me. God bless you. Real good, bro. Let me help me out here with my jacket. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. So now, let's quickly go back to the centurion in our text. I love this guy. This guy is unique. There's so much to learn from this centurion. 
This centurion, when we look at him and his exchange and everything that he said, we start to see that there are certain things in his culture that facilitated an atmosphere for miracles, that facilitated an atmosphere for exceptional faith. Number one that I see is that this centurion had a culture of empathy, a culture of care, because he did not come to Jesus for himself. He came to Jesus about his servant. If he did not have empathy, he would not have been concerned. He would have said, well, that servant is sick. I'll replace him with another one. But he had empathy, so he had a culture of care. Another thing that I noticed about this centurion is that he definitely had a culture of humility. Oh, my goodness. Because a centurion was a man to be honored and respected and regarded. He was used to people bowing down to him. But when he encountered Jesus, he said, I am not worthy that you should come into my house. So he had a culture of humility, like the woman we read about last week, Sunday. A culture of humility, willing to bow down. The centurion also had a culture of recognition or a culture of discernment because he rightly discerned who Jesus was. He recognized, he discerned, even if other people thought he was just the carpenter's son, not so with this centurion. He realized that this man, there's something different about about him. And then I found out that this centurion also had a culture of honor. Uh, he, when he told Jesus, speak the word only. And I think that these elements of his personal culture contributed to the favorable conditions for exceptional faith and therefore exceptional results. So if you are going to have exceptional faith and exceptional results, you're going to have to cultivate a culture of empathy, a culture of humility, a culture of discernment or recognition, and a culture of honor. But there's something else about this centurion. This centurion also understood something that others did not understand. He had caught a revelation that was incontrovertible to him. Ah, yes. Like we learned last week, great faith is premised on great revelation. Exceptional faith is also premised on exceptional revelations. Oh, yes. So you've got to determine that I'm going for the revelation. I'm going to sit with the Logos long enough till it becomes a revelation, a rema unto me. I'm going to press in till I get a revelation. That's what I do. I sit with a text like this text, and I refuse to leave the text until I get the revelation that's behind the written word, that's behind the Logos. Because inside the revelation, is the real life of the text. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying this Sunday morning? You see, your faith must be premised on a revelation of God's word that is incontestable 
in your mind. That woman said, even the dogs, the little dogs, eat of the crumbs that fall from the table. She had an understanding. She had a revelation that could not be defeated. If anybody came against it, she had an answer to everything they said because she felt that this was a principle that cannot be broken. So it was with the centurion. He understood something. He had a revelation. What was the centurion's revelation? His revelation was he understood authority. Hey, Jesus, he understood authority. He said, I am a man under authority. That already blows my mind. He didn't say I am a man in authority. He didn't say I'm a man that has authority. He says I'm a man under authority. That statement all by itself shows that he has an understanding, a revelation that is above the normal. He understood that authority does not exist in a vacuum. That wherever you see true authority, it must have a source. Therefore, if you have authority, you must be connected to a source that is giving you the authority. Because the truth be told, all authority is delegated. It's all authority is delegated. And the ultimate source of the delegation of authority is God Almighty himself. He delegates authority to man. When he says, let us make man in our own image, in our own likeness, and let them have dominion. That was the delegation of authority. So he, he understood this. He grasped this principle. He understood. He said, I'm a man under authority. And therefore, I tell one to go and he must go. I tell one to come and he must come. I tell one to do this and he must do it. Not because I, I, I have authority myself, but because I am connected to authority. They're not really obeying me for me. They're obeying me for the, uh, the, the source that I am connected to. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? This was the type of understanding, the type of uh, profound revelation that he had. And so he said, premised upon this principle, premised upon this understanding, uh, I recognize you, Jesus, uh, and I've heard the things that you are doing, uh, casting out demons, uh, healing the sick. Uh, I realize and I understand uh, that you couldn't be doing this uh, if you are not a man uh, that is also connected to a source beyond what the eyes can see. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? In temporal and civil matters, my soldiers obey me, but I realize I don't have authority in spiritual and supernatural matters. There I see that you have the authority. So speak the word only. and it will be done. I'm confident, as surely as I tell my soldier that he must do this, even if he doesn't like it, he has to do it. So that's how confident I am, that all you need to do is speak the word, and it will be done. I recognize who you are. Speak the word only. He had an accurate perception of who Jesus was and is. Speak the word only. I don't need you to come to my house. I don't need you to anoint me with oil. I don't need an extended prayer session. I just need you to speak the word only. This was exceptional faith. Hallelujah. Exceptional faith. The Syrophoenician woman we, we learned about last week had exceptional faith too. 
This centurion has exceptional faith. Whew. What qualified them to have exceptional faith? What did they have in common? I think I'm going to need a face tower. I'm, I'm sweating now. I'm sweating good. Uh, the, the thing about these two persons was that both of them were outside the commonwealth of Israel. They were outside the commonwealth of Israel. Now, that, that, that's, that's tough. That's tough to understand. They were not Israelites. So they were not connected by covenant to Jesus at all. They were outsiders becoming insiders. Do I have any outsiders under the sound of my voice? Uh, they, they were supposed to be aliens to grace, uh, but yet they became exceptional recipients of what was not theirs by right. Why, why, why? Uh, because I've come to find out that one of the biggest obstacles, uh, uh, often not too often spoken about, uh, to exceptional faith and exceptional results uh, is actually familiarity uh, or over-familiarity. Uh, so the crowd was thronging around Jesus, uh, yet receiving nothing because they were familiar. But there was this woman with the issue of blood that had a right discernment of who Jesus was and touched him differently with a touch of faith and discernment and received her miracle. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? I find out that you could become too familiar that you stop receiving what you should receive. Hey, Jesus, help us, Lord Jesus, to understand this. The disciples around him, yet they weren't receiving what they could receive because they had become over familiar because familiarity can breed contempt oh yes you know sometimes you can get so close to somebody uh, that you fail to discern any longer the authority that that person carries or the God that is on the inside of that person sometimes honor is lost in the cycles of routine ah yes possibly the disciples Fall, fell prey to this. They had become so familiar uh, that they did not fully understand having this kind of exceptional faith. Now listen to this. Honor is the highway through which the anointing flows. The anointing does not flow where there is dishonor. You cannot attract what you dishonor. Honor. Uh, so your perception, your recognition of Jesus and his word determines what you receive because your perception is your reality. Your percep perception determines what you receive. In the book of Matthew 10, 41, it says that he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Uh, so what determines what you receive is not the prophet, it is how you perceive uh, the prophet. Uh, to have an exceptional faith, uh, you must have an unadulterated perception of Jesus and his delegated authority. Uh, you must live by a culture of honor. 
Another distinguishing characteristic of these two persons in particular was obviously their humility. Okay, so I'm starting to round up and I'm bringing this thing to a close uh, by letting you see that the keys to exceptional faith is that you must have a right and an accurate perception of who Jesus is, what he carries, and what he can do. Jesus would ask people, do you believe I can do this? Because he needs your perception to write. And whenever you did, then he could move. Uh, then you must adhere to a culture of honor. I'm not honoring you because you're always honoring you, or honorable. I'm honoring you because I realize that you are delegated authority. And I realize that you carry something from God. So even though you are not perfect, neither am I, I'm going to still live by a culture of honor, then you must also exude humility, be humble, and be teachable. And finally, you must grasp a revelation that is incontrovertible to you. Uh, you grasp, you, 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 you can have many words, but you can have few revelations, and you hold on to that revelation and say, this cannot be broken, and if this cannot be broken, I'm going to have my miracle. Because for me not to have my miracle would mean that this would be broken. And since this cannot be broken, I will have my miracle. Hello? Are you hearing me what I'm saying? What are you standing on? What is your revelation? I believe that exceptional miracles are about to happen on the premise of exceptional faith in this great house. If you believe what I'm saying, come and shout amen. In this same hour, even right now, I'm releasing the word of deliverance. I'm releasing the word of healing. I'm releasing the word of, of lifting. I'm releasing the word of reconciliation. Even right now, to go into your situation, to go into your circumstance, to go into your space, and to sort it out in the mighty name of Jesus. Send your word only. I don't know what you are facing right now, but I send God's word, the fabric of all fabrics, the source of all sources. Hey, Lord Jesus, I send God's word even right now into that situation and into that circumstance and I prophesy a supernatural turnaround in the name of Jesus. Uh, you are going to be the exception. As exceptional miracles take place on the premise of exceptional faith, you are going to be the exception. When everybody else is talking about a casting down, you are going to testify of a lifting up in the mighty name of Jesus. We step into a season of the exceptional. Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. He is the living word. Right now, 30 seconds, call him into your situation. He is the living word. Word. Call him into your situations right now. Call him into your situation. I don't, might not know the specificity of your own situation, but the living word can handle it. The living word can sort it out. The living word can, can, can cause the crooked path to be made straight, the rough places to be made smooth. Come on, call the living word in. Ask him to open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart to receive the revelation that you need for the exceptional turnaround. In the name of your calling, call him in, call him in. 
call him in. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and nothing was created without the word. The word is the substance of all things. By faith we understand that the worlds, the eons were framed by the word of God. Come and call him in. He is the living word. The word that became flesh and that died for us upon the cross and rose up again after three days. The living word is here. It's full of power. It's full of might. Once you have the word, you have all of him. Receive his word now. Receive his word. Invite his word in. Now, in the name of Jesus. Woo! Thank you, Lord. 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 For without faith it is impossible to please God, but for he that cometh unto him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. God gave me this revelation for somebody then in the book of Psalms it says the fruit of the womb is what his reward I, I said that typically a reward is for doing something so I'm saying Lord what, what does what what do I need to do for the reward of the fruit of the womb and I could think of many things in the natural but when I take that that verse and I now put it with you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder so God is a rewarder and he rewards what faith so I prophesy right now I speak over anybody everybody online in person believe in God for fruitfulness in one area or the other but specifically for the fruit of the womb that as surely as God is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him, you will not lack for your reward in Jesus' name. Woo! Hallelujah. Receive your rewards by faith. Receive your rewards by faith. Receive your fruit by faith. Receive your breakthrough by faith. Receive your lifting by faith. Receive your supernatural turnaround by faith even right now in Jesus' mighty name mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Somebody go ahead and give God the praise right now. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. He's a good God. And there's no God like unto him. You'll be remiss of me not to give an opportunity for somebody under the sound of my voice that has not accepted Jesus Christ yet as Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity this is your moment whether you're on Facebook YouTube or you're even inside this hall right now don't harden your heart against the message of salvation please repeat these words after me Lord Jesus today I thank you for the price you paid I repent of my sins and I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart, I confess with my mouth, and therefore, by faith, I am born again. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, you are indeed saved. Hallelujah! 
Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We want to help you grow from being a child of God to becoming a mature son of God. So please direct messages on any of our social media platforms or send us an email or follow the pathway that's on our website and we will help you to grow in the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody go ahead and celebrate the Lord right now. Just go ahead and celebrate the Lord. Amen and amen. We hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. We hope you've been informed and inspired. Join us for services every Wednesday and Sunday. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HOTR London. Also, live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.